You're listening to the How and Steve English podcast, a comfy place to talk about all the great and not so great parts of teaching ESL abroad. I'm Steve, and today we're going to talk to Sean Smith. Hello. He's been a longtime teacher here in South Korea, and he recently opened up a study room slash private academy. So we're going to talk to him about that process. So stay tuned. All right, before we dive in, quick shameless plug, go to howandsteveenglish.com blogs, and you can go there and download a ton of free ESL card games that Hal has made. And um, if you like those, go ahead and join our monthly membership to support us. And if you do that, we can make a lot more. All right, cool. Sean, thanks for coming back on again. No problem. Anytime. Um, for those of you who don't know, we recorded a really awesome podcast with Sean in July. And I uh, I messed up and didn't save the audio. So <laughs> here we're at it again right now. Yeah. Um, so in that podcast, basically, we got your full life story. Mm. And, um, you know, maybe it'd be best to, to move on to the next part. But for mm-hmm. those listeners who are just curious about who you are, where you're from, and what your life was like before you opened up your study room. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you give us kind of like the spark notes of who Sean Smith is, where you're from, and uh, what did you do in Korea before opening up your private academy? Well, for me, uh, basically, I came here, oh, a long time ago now, 2006. So, and I came here because of one of my friends, and... Uh, Before that, yeah, I, I grew up in Canada, in a small little rural area. Biggest town was maybe 40,000 people. Biggest building was like nine stories. So coming to Seoul was a, uh, a little bit, bit different in a way. I, came, I went directly from home to, uh, well, to Paju English Village. So it was quite a different kind of experience there. I remember you mentioned Paju English Village, and I think that's something that a lot of our listeners will really, really find interesting, especially the older folks, um, because the English Villages just started when you came here, right? Yeah, it just opened like a two, three, four months before I came. It just opened. The first one was in Paju, and then, of course, many more opened up after that. And uh, it was, what, there was over... A hundred different foreigners when I started there. So it didn't feel like you were in Korea. It felt like you were kind of like in a small little English village, but with people all over the world in there. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the dream of any expat ESL teacher is basically that. Meeting a whole bunch of people from other parts of the world and just having a great time in a new exotic country. It was definitely uh, a great experience and something I'd say that, uh, for example, for uh, younger people, definitely it would be a great, great way. But sometimes it felt like you were living in a dorm room back at university. So, to me, that sounds great. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So for some people, sometimes you'd feel a little trapped, though, too, because you're just there and not really experiencing Korea in a way. And I wanted to do more of that. So you, I remember we talked and you ended up at the, the Paju English Village. Mm. 
and then you moved from there to working at public school, was it? Yeah, it was a public school, Yongsan uh, High School. So it was there. There they were trying to figure out how to put more teachers, English teachers, native English teachers, in high schools, but uh, they didn't give really a long time for it to actually start working. It felt more like uh, when we were there, they were always asking, "What are we going to do with him?" We don't know what we're going to do with him, <laughs> so it was a lot of downtime there. And what year was that? 2010, 2010, 2011. They only had it going for like two years, and then they stopped. Wow. With high school, most of high school, yeah, they just stopped the native English program because they couldn't figure out what to do with us. <laughs> Since I've been here, I've always been confused about the different programs and the different funding. So it seems every every year that I've been here,、mm-hmm. the public school officials would always say, "You know what? We lost our funding.、Yeah. We can't afford the native speaker this year."、Mm-hmm. And then, okay,、um, we'll find a different place to go work. And then the two weeks before you leave, like, "Oh, we found the money. Can you stay on?" <laughs> And that, those are stories that have been relayed to me from other people, or that was my own personal experience. The one year I did work at public school,、yeah. and I I just keep hearing about oh, Gepik's finally done, or this program's finally done, and oh, actually it's not okay to work at public facilities anymore. But then I'll be approached by a different government organization, by like、um, the local library systems, to open up a native speaker class. I was just wondering, did you ever figure that out? Because it sounds like you had experience with. Them shutting down a government program, but I never really trust that they're actually done.、Um, for me, when the project was done, like at Yongsan High School, it was actually really done. There was no getting around it. It was done, closed, and I had to find a new job. And so I did with the elementary school. So at a kind of semi-private elementary school, and they had the funding for. Couple of years, and then I heard after I left they lost some of the funding. So, yeah, it's always what a mystery that is. Always, it's like any funding from government, depending on who's in charge, where the money is, how much taxes they get that year. It's always、uh, hit and miss. There's all it's always up and down.、Okay. Definitely, and so. I assume after that elementary stint, you went ahead and opened up your study. No,、room. no, no. I I started. I worked like I have my education degree, so I'm a qualified teacher back home too. So I just I just started working at a kind of semi、uh, American school. It was a、um, American curriculum, so I taught everything with American books, everything like that. And so I taught grades, kind of combined. Grade one, grade two, grade three. So grade two and three were combined, and I taught mainly that in my second year. Were you teaching American、okay. students? So no,、military? I was teaching one one American student for a little while, and but then the others were just Korean. So it was basically me teaching ESL and also teaching American curriculum books. So it was a it was、wow. a. Very difficult. I'll say it was a learning experience. What level of English were those Koreans? One student was still figuring out、uh, early phonics skills. Wow. Yeah, and the other was a little bit more. The other two were a little bit more. Other few were a little bit more advanced, 
but uh, not nearly enough for the books. So I had to basically dumb down the books, make it appropriate for them in a way, but also uh, keep them moving along so they don't fall behind when they uh, get into uh, a much bigger school or go back into the Korean school system. So were you working at an international Christian school just or just a, a small little school in Bundang, um, not very big, and they were struggling for for a long time. So yeah, they didn't work out. They had to close down after a while. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. So you worked at all these different places, and like you said. You're a professionally trained teacher and able to do so back home in yeah. Canada. What did you bring with you from all these different jobs and all these different experiences to motivate you to open in a study room? For me, just the all the experiences, the ups and downs. Uh, you know, like students coming and going, uh, things always happening not the way you plan. So, I guess kind of like just. Being able to uh, have a feeling that okay, if something goes wrong, you gotta deal with it quickly, or it's gonna get worse. Those kind of uh, those kind of tricks really helped me long, especially when I was opening up my own business with my wife. So, quite a different experience there than just the co-teacher that you can to at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Got to be real careful because you don't know if the wife's gonna listen to this too. <laughs> Yeah. So, probably listening somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so after, um, can you tell me what happened after that job at the uh, the private after school? After the private school, basically, it was all just getting ready for uh, opening up our uh, study room, uh, but we had to open uh, more quickly than we thought because of our. Last school owner not being able to pay the full salary, so we lost a lot of money there. <laughs> so we had to open quickly. I know the feeling well. Yeah, that's really rotten, but sometimes it leads you to something it, really uh, great. So yeah. when opening up that study room, there's so many different things to consider. And whenever I give advice to people, I have a friend now who's going to open up a study room uh, in Pyeongtaek, oh. I think, around the American yeah. Army base. There's so many things to consider, um, but I guess first, a lot of listeners, apparently our listeners are mostly from Japan and the United yeah. States, so I guess we might need to explain the study yeah. room idea. Basically, um, the study room is, as uh, most people here, the study room is basically having your business in your own home, to put it more that simply, in your own home. So basically, your home is your business. Yeah, that's pretty perfect, I'd say. Your home is yeah. your academy. I never knew about them. I never really understood the many different styles of private education businesses that you could own here in Korea. Um, when did you first find out about it as an opportunity or as a eventual way to escape being an employee? Uh, basically, it was my wife that suggested it. And until then, I was really just... Uh, I didn't really have too much of an idea. I knew there was some study, like academies around and study rooms, but I didn't really look into it too much. 
I knew there were different styles and some of them of course were ridiculous to me but man to compete here you got to have different kind of styles also oh, you're in an extremely competitive place uh, right now no not so much now because we moved out to Khan and uh, it's still it's still good it's still okay still okay place to uh, start but other places really 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 competitive are they competitive with Korean owned businesses or is it competitive amongst the expat owned study rooms? It's competitive amongst Koreans and uh, foreigners in really? our area because the Koreans, of course, will, uh, they see us and they go after us. <laughs> yeah. Because we're, we're a big threat. So they say. So they will say anything about us to get the customers to come to them. So there is a, you have to live with that and then just let your reputation build and the parents that stay with you, they will say good things about you later because just like any business here, it's more about word of mouth uh, than uh, all the advertisements you put up. Yeah, which is a real shame. So I, I guess that's definitely something that I'm really interested in asking about later would be, you know, the stress of dealing with business here in Korea can sometimes get to you. It oh, really can sure. get to you. It, it, it gets to you and your relationship if you're uh, with your wife. But uh, I say as long as you have a good, uh, if you're a good listener and you can communicate well and show that you're, you're trying your best, uh, your, your relationship with her will, do, will be all right. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Yeah. So I guess the the appeal for a study room in general for anybody listening is um, the salary for just teaching mm -hmm. um, as an employee ranges from what I guess like the lowest is 1.8 million, right? Yeah, to 2.3, something like that. That's 2.3. Yeah, you're really million. lucky, but they usually don't like to keep you that long. Yeah, exactly. And, and then... I guess in USD and American dollars, that's about two grand, two grand in some change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, but with a study room, you can get up to easily five grand, ten grand. Um, the highest I've seen is like fourteen grand a month. Yeah. There's always uh, you can you can get up to there. We're making uh, good enough money now that we're happy with. But also with the owning a study room there are a lot of costs more than you think so if you think you're going to get in and get a lot of money right away no it takes a while yeah yeah you, you'll be buying little things here that you you thought you get away with and then yeah there's so many little things and then since you're competing against with others you have to think about what they're doing and how can you keep your students and your parents happy and open up different yeah have different things available for so when you opened up how did you decide where you would open up uh we wanted a kind of a newer area so we were looking for a newer area so that was the biggest thing and and why were you looking for a newer area for uh, folks that don't know basically a lot it would give us some time to uh open up get an idea of what a running a study room is before more of the competition arrives <laughs> but when we came here some of the competition was already uh here already we didn't know <laughs> but anyway 
that's what it, what happens. So you chose a newer area, and did you look around for elementary schools and apartment complexes right next to elementary schools? Because that's what yeah, we look for seems to be important. Elementary school, yeah. And for our listeners, why is that so important? Uh, because parents don't want to send the, their young kids, especially grade one, grade two, uh, far distance to a uh, new kind of study room. They usually like to uh, send their kids within uh, their own. Uh, with their own, their own little community, and it's not anywhere where you have to cross major roads or anything. They don't want to send their kid if it's、uh, too far or unsafe. So basically, you might have to sacrifice your dream home、mm-hmm. and your beautiful penthouse apartment on the far side of an apartment complex、yeah. in order to suffice. Yeah, you have to be able to、uh, think about them and think about. How they、uh, feel about、uh, sending their kids too far, or、um, how they would like it if it's, for example,、uh, right next to them. <laughs> so,、mm-hmm. so closeness is definitely to an elementary school is、uh, is a must for many. Only if you are able to transport them, if you are have one later, maybe that would be different. Now, did you do the typical calling around other hagwans and figuring out their rates and their program and how many hours they teach per week we did a, before we you did a little bit of that? But we also looked a lot online and to、uh, figure out those kinds of things. So look out online, see what other parents are saying, get involved in the neighbor community. Of course, most of that is、uh, my wife doing that. Did you find a huge difference between the study rooms hours and native speaker hours and prices versus the local study rooms?、Uh, for hours, for hours teaching, definitely study room.、Uh, from my experience, it's、uh, the amount of hours is less, but the amount of work that goes into it is more because you're doing the lessons plus all the business work. Definitely.、Mm-hmm. And so, what did you guys end up deciding on as far as teaching hours? For us, we do three hours native speaker, and we did about three hours on the computer until we changed it into being Korean teacher. So we have half and half native and Korean teacher. Well, for us, we have、uh, two different kind of programs: one five day program, one four day program. So five day program, three classes with me, two classes with、uh, my wife. And of course, four-day program, two and two split. I've never had it. I've never heard of anybody having that type of two-program system. I've heard of like half days, like so two days a week versus four days a week. But I've never heard of four day and five. Yeah,、days. that's something that we we got into, and uh, sure, um, we had to at like I was saying near the beginning of this, we had to think quickly and uh, get into the uh, the teaching right away. I definitely. Wouldn't recommend it,、uh, but、uh, definitely it's been a learning experience. And、uh, how would I say it? It's we are teaching all grade grades one to grade five right now, and so、uh, it's、uh, it was a learning experience and still is. But、uh, we're we definitely have some better plans for next year. Why did you go ahead and do a four-day 
and a separate five-day program. I think because we had uh, some competition next to us that we didn't know about, and we and when we moved here, we found out about them uh, just before we opened, and we had to uh, do something to offer parents something more than they were to uh, get some business going. Were they a Korean-owned or a native? Native-owned. Okay. Yeah. So they were keeping the down low. So yeah, we <laughs> didn't know. We didn't know honestly until we came here. Wow! They didn't advertise. They didn't have a no, banner up. They, they didn't, didn't do any really of that. They didn't have to advertise at all. Just word of mouth, and they got all the customers. Yeah. So, I think when opening up, it's such a stressful experience, and I think the entire process of owning it is stressful, mostly due to customers. And I think yes. We talked about how you you decide where you're going to go. You decided your hourly program.、Mm -hmm. um, you told us about you know your your split on Korean and native teacher、yeah. time. But what happens? It's so interesting what happens because all your all your plans kind of can get tossed out the window when you start accepting these customers and they start haggling with you or making desperate attempts to make a deal with you or. You know, just just interactions with them can go positive or negative, and then you're forced to change. And I was wondering if you had any immediate experiences like that when you first opened, like a customer coming in, kind of giving you a heart attack and trying to make or break you with deals here, discounts there. I'll bring you ten students if you give me fifty percent off. That type of thing.、Uh, basically, we already had an idea of what we wanted to do, and. Um, sure, there was some mistakes along the way, and how to communicate to parents,、um, especially when it had to concern their son or daughter. But、uh, when it came to prices, basically we stuck with it, and we said, "Okay, this is our policy, and that's it. If you don't like it, you can go." And that's my wife. That's my that's my wife's thinking. So. I was about to ask that question. Who came up with that? He is the main person, of course, that deals with the, our customers. So she and I talked about it, and we agreed to、uh, stick to it. And this is because if you're always all over the place, the parents never know what you're really about, and you flip flop here and there. You have no consistency. You have to have. Some consistency to survive in any business. Does your wife have a lot of experience teaching or managing at other hagwons? She had some experience, yeah.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that's great because,、mm -hmm. from my personal experience, we just had a bunch of people coming in and telling us. Oh, I want you know I, I just don't have that much money. Can you please do this for me? Oh, my kid. My kid really can't come at this time. Really can't come at this time. Can you please do this for me? And in my experience, it wasn't your typical.、Um, it wasn't your typical type of negotiation that I would expect. It seemed very sincere, very earnest. Like this person's being pained. They want some help. So we did that. We, we like, all right, all right. Listen, you know, we've all had rough times in life.、Mm -hmm. My grandparents, you know. My grandparents were immigrants. They lived in the old country. I can feel with old country woes.、Mm -hmm. um, 
turns out they were just negotiating though. So, yeah. <laughs> and then and then whenever we stopped giving in, like they, that wasn't enough. So they they created a relationship with us that was based on the ability to control us. And once we stopped, mm -hmm. like once we said, oh no, this is this is kind of toxic. Uh, you're just wanting anything and everything that we can possibly yeah. cede to you. Mm -hmm. They would cut us out and quit and there was no thank you there was there's none of that what i expected out of that type of relationship helping somebody out what i thought was helping them out mm -hmm. yeah. so i was just wondering i know for me for hal and for us that was like our big big learning curve is dealing with God, finding the truth i guess building expectations and and how different it is like relationships between customers and us and we really haven't been able to solve it without the help of our spouses. So I was wondering how you have dealt with it. Uh, building relationships, uh, basically it takes time, just like any kind of relationship. You have to have, uh, as I said, consistency. You have to show them, okay, we're not kind. these kind of people that buckle and uh, give everything and anything to you if you, uh, are just trying to get everything and anything from us. You, you can't do that all the time. We're both, uh, well, we will just uh, have to close quickly if you do that. So um, I'd say the biggest learning curve was how to communicate to parents in a, in a nice way, but not a mean way that look at our policy this is what we can do and we can't do. Now, if it's a real problem, like, and we know it's a problem for them, maybe we can find a solution with them, um, a compromise. So sometimes we will do that, but not often. Sometimes parents ask too much and we just can't do it for them. We're just too busy. Great points, great points. and. So you've been open for how many months? Just now, 11 months. Next month, and well, end of the next month will be our uh, first year anniversary. Oh, congrats. We just had our second year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. You survived. We did. We did. Oh, I guess our second year anniversary for the second location. So that second location mm -hmm. is just a, a weird one. Um, yeah. Um, before I forget, I wanted to, I wrote a couple of things down, like for people that have a, that are thinking of owning study oh, rooms. Oh, please share. Yeah, so uh, our experience running a study room, since it's in our own apartment complex, uh, there are some things you always have to think about. One, uh, well, of course, your home is now your business. So when you walk out of the bedroom door, here's your business. So there's, there's plus and minus there, but it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't feel like your actual home. Uh, but uh, the good thing is you're right next to your business you don't have to drive anywhere that's a plus uh, but you also have to be careful about how you act and what you do in your own uh, community because everyone is watching you especially the foreigner in the community so I'd say just uh, have an idea of um, how you act in your area, and also how you deal with parents, and uh, that uh, things uh, at 
The beginning will be a little bit difficult and uh, foreign to you, but if you stick at it, stick with it, uh, you will uh, you will improve and get better over time. Who's in charge of cleaning at your place? Both of us. Everything is kind of 50-50 regarding decisions here. Or, and also I take a little bit more responsibility with our son. So I do more of that because she's dealing more with customers. So I deal more with the, the other side, our family. That's got to be so difficult to have kids and to have a study room inside your apartment and keep it clean and professional. Cause I know that's another yeah. thing that moms are really looking at. That's, uh, that is something too, because you have to have it look like a business, but also, uh, so every day it's always take the toys back in, uh, clean up the place where Noah was fooling around, uh, yeah, it's always a constant battle keeping the place clean every day. But uh, basically, we got used to it. We have a system now, and uh, so far it's been working. I think you could probably bundle that system up and sell it for a few million dollars. It's always a battle, but uh, hey... If you really want something, you'll find a way to uh, to get to get it. If you're willing to uh, make, uh, just like anything, in, air, in order to make more, you have to give up other things. So if you want something more to do with your study room, you have to give up something else. Definitely. Yeah. So you've been open for this one year and I've seen you post in our Hagwon startup community some pretty encouraging stuff about your story and you know where you're at. And I'm thinking about the other study room owners that I know. And it's kind of a crapshoot as far as I've seen. Within the first six months, I know many people struggled to get you know, their first five students or their first yeah. 10 students. And I know somebody who's open for two years and only had 20-something students that entire time. And then this year crossed you know, the 50 something mark at his $250 price range. And just really just has a really awesome, a really awesome job now working like four hours a day, Fridays off doing a four day a week study room. So he really built a nice lifestyle for himself. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a good lifestyle, but also I found out like, I would think unless you're really good with your money, if you have a three day weekend, uh, you're going to spend a lot of money going places. So you have to be careful on that end too. That is a great point. I never thought about that. Yeah. The more time you have, sometimes the more bored you get. So the more money you spend. Definitely. Yeah. So got to be careful on that end. If you're really looking at a four day work week, uh, you got to manage your money more, uh, a lot better than you would if you were working every day. Once you're out of the house, you have to start buying lunch, then you have to buy breakfast. And if you're still out at night, you have to buy dinner. Yeah. And if you wanted to stay in between somewhere to do your work, like sometimes just to escape here, I go to a coffee shop just to have a coffee and do my work there. So it costs money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gas, anything. Mm -hmm. So did you have any stress this first year about um, getting customers or was it pretty much a nice steady pace of 
getting them in. We were really lucky. We had no problems. We got them right away. We got、uh, within the first month thirty, over thirty students within the first month. Wow! And now we're about fifty now. That's terrific. Yeah. It so, took me one year to get. I don't know, sixty, but. Like, I don't know. Like this is since this is a new community. A lot of people move from different areas. So some people move from Suwon. Some people move from. Uh, Osan, others from different areas, and they all came here, and they're like, "Wow, a foreigner-run study room! Wow, I never been, I never seen this!" Oh, and so they really wanted to、uh, try it. That's really awesome. So, do you think location、um, was really important for you? Yeah, location was definitely、uh, important for us, and the way we were actually、uh, selling the program, our price, our price could have been higher. But that's something we are dealing with now. So, but、uh, overall, the parents really、uh, liked the program style we had. It was something different compared to other、uh, study rooms in our area. So, they just came and、uh, looked at it. And my wife is a really good、uh, seller. <laughs> She's really good at doing that. So, I thank my wife for、uh, a lot of that. Oh, that's great. Did um, what did you guys do that was so different from the other folks in town? Uh, well, basically, one was the five-day program,、mm-hmm. so and three days with the native. They really, really want like that, so they were keen、uh, to sign up、uh, for that. And also, we didn't just stick with、uh, lower grade students. We we also had、uh, higher grade students. And of course, that added a lot more work for us for planning lessons and all that. But still, it brought in the students, so we were okay with that. So typically, a study room in your area would only do up to third or fourth grade. Yeah, typically up to third, fourth grade. Because,、uh, but、uh, we got some fifth grades, and also because it's a new area, the Hogwans、uh, didn't move in yet to next door. So they will be opening next year, early next year. So that's when we're going to be have to、uh, change around things again. I understand. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic, though. That's really great because it can be so stressful that first year, and then you end up passing that stress on to your family or to your friends、oh, or to whoever's、yeah. around. Still, it was stressful, but not in terms of、uh, student numbers. Now,、uh, of course. Some of the work, of course, would stress you out and all that, but the number of students we had were is pretty good. Yeah, that's great. And so, in that first year, I think at the beginning you were telling us about just the competitors around, and、mm-hmm. I don't think you said slander, but I'll go ahead and put words in your mouth.、Mm-hmm. Basically, competitors will say anything they want、yeah. to.、Uh, To say that you're bad, yes, and they're great. Yep. And a lot of it doesn't matter. So, in my experience, for example, <laughs> if an academy had a native speaker teacher, they would use that as their competitive advantage, and they'd say, "Oh, that other school doesn't have a native speaker. We do. Come to us." Yeah. But if the academy doesn't have a native speaker,、mm-hmm. 
then they'll say, oh, no, 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 uh, the native speaker can't teach English to Korean students. Yeah, um, they, they come to us. say a lot, like, just like, oh, native teachers can't speak. They're only good for, like, kindergarten and grade one. And if you send them after grade two, then they're not good anymore. You shouldn't send them ever again. But uh, uh, so those things and then also uh, language challenges are also another thing. Uh, the other study rooms or hagwons will say about native teachers, oh, they can't speak Korean, so they're no good. They can't handle the class, classroom management, all that. They're not really trained teachers. Can You can speak Korean though, right? Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I've been here for a while, my Korean has not really improved a lot. Well, I'm, I guess, A2 level, kind of. I'm yeah. B1 grammar, A2 vocabulary level, which is beginner, but yeah. good enough to, like, yell at kids. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I've, had it, I've had it explained to me that once once I got over that stereotype that we can't speak Korean, yeah. and they heard me speaking, like, competent sentences and orders to the children, mm -hmm. oh, you know, they really, the native speaker should never speak a Korean in class. It needs to be only English. <laughs> so you can... You're kind of, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, uh, yeah, that, that brings, yeah, that brought that up. Like, every parent has different expectations. That's one thing you learn about, even if you're a, you have a little glimpse of it when you're a teacher, but when you're a business owner, man, you get a really good impression. Like, you can't make every single person happy. You have to have your own system, as I mentioned, uh, or you're going to be going crazy because one parent will say, oh, there's too much study. And another parent will just say, uh, once if you put a little bit more play in there, they'll say, oh, there's too much play. You've got to put more study in there. There's always up and down everywhere. Just, yeah. That's such a great point. So for us, you know, we focus kind of a cure-all on being strict. Yeah. Uh, like, it's better for us to make kids good at speaking English than it is to make kids have fun. And we, we try to make everything fun because I do it through games. Yeah. But I'm still a little bit of a dictator in class. Like, no Korean. They can't speak Korean or else I'm going to go nuclear on them. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, did you do something similar to that? How? Do, what policies or, or what mindset do you have that you adhere to? in order to, you know, you know, just make every mom know what you're about? Well, every mom or every student, basically, when they come in the first time, I show them and I tell them what I'm going to do. There's, for me, I'm kind of uh, like a bit of study and then activities. If they don't do the study, they don't do the activities. And I always keep to that. And the students know that. The parents know that, and so just clear expectations is a, a big idea, letting the parents know this is what we're going to do, and be clear about it from the beginning. Really help. What do you love the most about your study room? <sighs> what do I love the most? It's kind of love and hate. Uh, the most I love about it, it's here in my house. I don't have to go anywhere. Um, I get to also spend more time with my wife, uh, but the flip side is the business is in my house, so it doesn't feel like a house sometimes, my own home, and 
I'm always with my wife, so sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes the, the shouting begins. But uh, there's always the good and the bad. But overall, I think it's definitely made me also a better person uh, because now I was just involved in teaching before, but now I'm involved in the business, the money, the success of this business is not. It's all on me and my wife. If we fail, that's it. We have to learn and grow and be better at everything we're doing. What do you dislike about it? Dislike, I guess, just the constant work. There's always something that we thought we had settled, but then it just comes up again and hits us in the face. So that'll be one thing. Uh, the other thing, of course, uh, just having the business in the house. Um, always have to constantly clean and be and be nice looking and uh, around being not how do you say sometimes not yourself in the community because you have to be careful what you say and what you do in your own community because you run the business in your own community and everyone's looking at you. For our listeners out there, that's such an important point because <laughs> my wife and I went back to America and we were just so happy that everybody observed traffic laws and was so polite. Yeah. And we returned here and there are scooters speeding around our apartment complex on the sidewalks with our toddler walking by, right by us. Yeah. And for the... For the longest time, she would say, Steve, don't. Don't you say anything. Which kind of let me go unleashed for a little bit after coming back from the yeah. States. So I was just having to get up to these auditions and say, like, not, not crazy. Just, uh, excuse me. Uh, you know you're not supposed to drive here, right? Yeah. This is dangerous. There are babies here. Yeah. And I try I try not to do that in Korean because then it becomes a, mm. a match in hierarchy. If you do it in English, you're more successful. Yeah. <laughs> Then I realized if I ever want to open a location over here, I'm kind of ruining my reputation because even though like what I'm doing should be awesome, I'm saving little babies, yeah. it's not. I'm making confrontation and causing people to lose face. Yeah, so. and they'll want to uh, make you lose face. Exactly. Yeah, so, God, it's uh, it's kind of you have to tread on. Uh, yeah, you have to tread wherever you go. You got to be careful, but also. Uh, do you say you got to be careful, but you also have to be, uh, what is that word? They have to know uh, you and what you're about, I guess. You have to have a consistency. That's, yeah, I think consistency is definitely another great point you yeah. brought up because they, they maybe won't be your customer today, but they'll know your values. And sure enough, they'll be your customer in a year or yeah, two. Yeah, they could be your customer or they could know a lot. Many other mothers, or they could be a group leader of many other mothers and say bad things about you. And it's always fun for people to talk about bad oh, things. That yeah, is easy and fun for people to talk thing, about. But then they don't want to deal just like anybody, they, and yeah, it's just so easy to talk about a problem, but to do something about it, not many people want to do something about it. They just complain about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, I guess 
maybe let's bring it to a close there. I think we've we've brought a lot of insight into maybe what the life of a fella behind a study room is like one of these little um, at home academies. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? I guess just uh, if you come here, as I said in our last pro- podcast, uh, do your research become uh, before you come or start a business. Always just join up to the Hagwon Startup uh, website or Facebook group. Um, find your passion, uh, whatever it is, and don't. If you come here, if you're coming to Korea, uh, don't expect things to be the same or close to it. Things are going to be different. Uh, talk to people, learn about it. Uh, yeah, and uh, have some fun. Great. Sean, thanks All for right. coming on. Thank you. See you See guys. You.